Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me. I'm SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat, or also known as a conversation, with other hobby and passion podcasters in order to get them to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Once this live stream is over, I'm going to take the recorded files, because I'm a podcaster and I record these files, and we're going to turn it into a podcast. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcasts and make their existing projects better. That's why we have the name Better Podcasting. As a starting note, I want to thank Miss Kadabra from the Smoke to Smoke podcast for joining me once again in the previous chat. You can check out Miss Kadabra on her Instagram page at smoke to smoke underscore podcast. It's all one word, smoke to smoke, with T-O being the two, smoke to smoke underscore podcast. For the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, which is space. Now, there wasn't too much activity since I recorded last. It was over the holidays. But since I did stream last, we had a Starship Ship 24 single engine static fire test at Boca Chica, Texas. Now, what made this imaginable is that SpaceX took a beautiful video with a drone right above the ship. And if you haven't had a chance yet to see the video, let me know. I'll send you a link. It was great. NASA didn't have too much going on. They shut down some missions on Mars, but with the uh, Artemis mission, Artemis 1 mission over, they are focusing on the International Space Station and the start of Artemis 2. In my other podcasting on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we completed 2022 by covering the X-Men, the animated series holiday special. It really wasn't a holiday special. It was just a separate episode, but we had an episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on that. And then on the Better Podcasting main show, we published episode 267 about how podcast ideas aren't original, but that's okay. And episode 268, which was our annual gear review episode. That is a crowd pleaser that Stephen and I have come to enjoy ourselves every year. Now, last time I told you that I started clearing out some of my old podcasting gear and I started putting it up for sale. And I told you I'd be letting you know how that was going. Well, it took a few weeks, but I finally got rid of my original Zoom H6 on eBay. Let me tell you, stuff on eBay, when you put it on there, it's worth less than you think it is. And Quite honestly, right before Christmas is the wrong time of the year to sell used gear because you have all the sales on the new gear going on. But I just wanted to get rid of it. The transaction itself was easy. I got the gear out of the house. I got paid through eBay. Actually, it drops in a couple of days, but there hasn't been any issue with it yet. I will report back on how that is going next week and uh, some of the other gear that I'm selling. And I will continue to sell off some of my old podcast gear in 2023 just to declutter the house. Now, for the next hour or so, I'm chatting with Cantina Cast host Chris Jones, also known as Jonesy. Jonesy started podcasting, I believe, in 2018 in a trial role on the popular Star Wars podcast Cantina Cast. He has since gone on to record over 250 episodes with co host Albert, most of them in Jonesy's closet, and the two eventually took over the show. Jonesy has helped start in recently and a podcast network 
He's been on the podcast stage at Star Wars conventions and even had a guest radio spot on one of Chicago's largest AM talk radio stations to discuss Star Wars. To boot, Jonesy is one of the nicest guys you can meet. Welcome to the chat, Jonesy. Thanks, Matt. It's a it's a very heartwarming uh, introduction there. And it's funny, I like that you mentioned the Chicago WTM because that was such a unique opportunity and a huge thank you to you for helping make that happen. That was such a, an amazing, unexpected you know, chance for us to get on the air and, and talk Star Wars. We, we thought we were going to go on for like 15 minutes, but we were there for what, hour or two hours or something like that? I think it was close to two hours. And interesting to know, I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but they originally wanted me and I turned them yeah. down. I said, nope, I am not the right guy. Here are your right guys, the Cantina cast guys. Yeah, no, it was such a cool opportunity and it was, it was perfect. Of course, it was in the middle of a snowstorm and, and ice and all that, but we were going to make it. Come hell or high water, we were going to be there. And so huge thanks uh, to you and for everyone that helped make that happen. It was a huge opportunity for us. Yeah. And the radio station was WLW, I believe. WGN, I think, wasn't it? Oh, WGN, you're right. I'm thinking of Cincinnati. So WCCO in the Twin Cities, WLW in Cincinnati, WGN in Chicago? WGN. WGN in Chicago. And you in Texas have something too, right? Oh, we've got tons of them. Yeah. I, I couldn't name them all out there, but, but still really cool opportunity to do that back in 2019. Yes. Right before the pandemic. Well, not right before, like almost a full year before, but yeah, it was, it was right before. So what was your podcast listening like before you started guesting on Cantina cast? Yeah, actually, it was a. I, I started looking for a Star Wars podcast early on because I was in the car a lot. My commute was about anywhere between an hour and two hours each way. I live down in the Houston area, so anybody that lives in a big metropolitan area or maybe remotely understand how frustrating that can be five days a week. And so I just started looking for podcasts, and I was in the car so much that I just kept absorbing more and more. And then I even started expanding beyond that, and I landed on better podcasting of all of all shows because I was like, okay, well this is kind of cool. And then I liked hearing about how the sausage is made as well. And so it was a really neat blend of all of that uh, to be able to see, you know, not only what's going on with star Wars, really just the intent was to get caught up on news. I had no idea shows like the cantina cast even existed where they go into all of this theory and crazy mumbo jumbo that I thought people only, it's not only I cared about, but apparently there's a number of people that actually do and then be able to transition over into like actually doing the podcast and then guesting on a bunch of other shows too, from, I know, uh, Gunna Geeks, uh, smoking and drinking in space. I've uh, been on there with Jason a couple of times and a number of other shows. It's just so much fun just to, uh, to really interact with people and get to know different podcast community and get to know their listeners a little bit too, and be able to interact with them. It's just, it's uh, so much fun. And of course, I mean, there's a bazillion podcasts out there, but if you're ever curious about it, you know, it's something you should grab a friend and just, you know, talk to each other. It's a great opportunity just to get on there and talk and, you know, see what happens. What specifically inspired you to want to join Cantina Cast? I absolutely loved what uh, Mike and Joa were doing at the time. And I started listening to them right around the time of, gosh, I guess it was around Force Awakens, right before Last Jedi came out. So there was a ton of buzz. Rogue One was a huge hit. And they had started a Discord server. And what made them different, though, was that they were talking about, it was really more of a, they call it thought-provoking Star Wars talk. And it was much more like that. They were doing character dissections. They were getting into scene analysis. They were doing, you know, they were peeling back the onion in a bunch of different layers. 
And to me, that was really interesting. It was a very stark contrast to the news shows that I was listening to where I which again, what I was really wanting was just, okay, well, what's going on with Star Wars? I feel like I should get, get back into it. I was, I'd take it a big break for a while. You know, so what is it that I can actually get in there and, you know, and, and just absorb? And then I found this whole thing and I was like, oh my goodness, like they are going in a completely different direction than a lot of other shows. And this is before, you know, the fandom kind of took a turn a bit. I mean, Star Wars fandom has always been kind of crazy, but and you know, before it took the real steep turn, the little hard left turn, there was a real peak time for just energy in the fandom. And then for a show to want to dig in deeper and speculate and do so in a really educated way and in such an in-depth and knowledgeable way was so unique to me. And then uh, Cantina Cast was automatically my favorite show. And then whenever uh, Mike approached me later on after Albert had joined and they were look- he was looking to step down and he asked me about it. We were playing video games together one night. Mike's one of the former, I guess, former owner of the show. We've kind of taken over from him formally, but uh, he was doing, he was the main host for it for a long time. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to give this a shot. Tell me what I got to go get. Like, what do I got to do? And it's funny because I, I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, man, I've got this uh, set of uh, Astro A40 headset, like gaming headset, you know, I'm good, man. They're awesome. I spent way too much money on them. They're, they're freaking fantastic. And he's like, okay, like they're garbage. You know that, right? I'm like, I have, no, not mine. They're, they'll be perfect. I think we're going to be great. I'm so excited. Man, that first recording I heard absolute garbage like compared to what he was because he's rocking like an re20 and he's got the dbf he's got all the he's got all the stuff right and at that point i think albert already had the re20 as well and i went with i went with you though i ended up buying the re320 instead but you know he already had all the equipment all the interface everything else and here i am just running through the computer with a pair of gaming headset and i was like Ugh, i'm so embarrassed you know what the new gaming headset is what's that the gaming chair the gaming chair, okay. Yeah, you know the the actual the one you chair get, like, plug into and everything. Well, no, I mean th- what they are is a lower quality desk chair, really, an office chair, lower quality, but it's got cool colors and it's got branding on it and stuff like that. So if you do a head to head between that and like a really good office chair, like a steel case or something like that, there's just no comparison. The steel case will win hands down. But oh, these gaming chairs are really cool. They hardly last and. Yeah. Uh, they're not very comfortable. And if you're sitting for long periods of time, which on Cantina cast, you guys stand up a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Albert tends to stand when I first, when I first, when we first started, first started doing live stream, I was standing too. Now I sit on a, just a, a higher, uh, like a high level bar stool, uh, which is just much better for my back. And I'm not having to step all over the place and find a, a, one of the, the padded, you know, the things like you put in front of your sink, like the, the padded rugs. Right. So no more messing around with all that stuff. I just get a nice, comfortable chair and sit down. But it's funny, Albert in his in his office or his studio, he does have a really nice Secret Labs gaming chair. And he's like, Jonesy, you should go check this out. I'm like, oh, how much is it? He's like, it's like six fifty or something. It's ridiculous. He's like, but 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 they just came out with a Star Wars version, so you definitely got to go get it because now it's like seven hundred or seven fifty or six fifty. Still, I don't know, whatever. It's still way too much, but it's a Star Wars Secret Labs chair. Yeah, it's branding for your show, right? Everything's got to be Star Wars in your studio. That's right. Yep. You're in a closet. Yeah, I, I am in the closet. Yes. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a larger closet. I used to do this in a kind of in my home theater uh, room for a while, but it was a, a little big and I had a lot of makeshift stuff around me and it just wasn't working out so well. And so I had a big closet that I was able to convert and clearly I have shelving and stuff in here that was already there. And 
know, threw some lighting up in here, some uh, nice LED panels. I got a, a, a movable desk that's actually collapsible. And then you just get all your arms and equipment to kind of attach to it all. And you find some way to make it look semi-presentable. And uh, just kind of go from there. Since you're sitting on the bar stool, do you feel like you can project your voice a little bit better? Uh, compared with standing, I don't know if it's much of a difference. I think you, there's a different, there is definitely a, a different technique you have to have, though, because you have to keep track. I find that when I sit, I have to keep track of where I'm at with the mic more often. Because if I move, I mean, if you move too much, I mean, the RE320s are really good about you can you can move a little bit without you know worrying about sound quality degrading too much. But drift, like getting past the microphone, becomes a much more challenging thing. If, if I'm like typing on the keyboard and we do a live stream, so I'm trying to interact with listeners and keep track of who's in the chat and, and all those other things at the same time. And so I have to be very cognizant about where I'm at. Whereas before, when I was just standing and talking, I could stay in one place. Uh, to the point where I've actually entertained the idea of maybe a shotgun microphone, but uh, everything I've read, they have to literally be like almost like right above you. Or and I'm, I'm I don't know that I want to mess with that. So I've I've just kind of stuck to the the RG320 and you know, where I'm at. But yeah, in the seating wise, I haven't noticed a difference, so to speak. But I do have to make sure when I'm speaking, I'm in the right place a little bit better than what I was when I was standing. Oddly enough. So when you started, you said you were listening to better podcasting, but how did you really learn how to podcast? Uh, talking with you a lot and listening to you and Steven a lot. I mean, when it comes to, gosh, technique and equipment, you and I had a bunch of conversations, of course, on Discord and, and via chat of not only the, the right equipment, and you were always generous enough to come into our Discords and, and share with us your knowledge as well. And so for anybody that listens to better podcasting, you're not sure about joining Discord, Go join Discord. It's not just for people who have a lot of experience. It's for people who don't know what they're doing and just getting started. It's a fantastic resource and you'll be treated with respect. And it's, it's a really great place to be. Uh, but no, it's a lot from you know talking with Mike and talking with, uh, with you, listening to better podcasts and listening to the show, you know, and then a lot of trial and error, a lot of watching YouTube videos. When I, when I got the DBX, you know, I, it's a lot to configure. And then if you go out there and watch the videos, there's like three or four different kind of normal, you know, quote unquote, normal ways to set it up. And it's very dependent on your voice and you have to have an idea of what you're doing. And then, of course, then when you get to editing, that's just the equipment side of it. When you get to editing, gosh, that's a whole new you know, box of rocks there. Are just a completely different animal that you have to go and try to figure out of, OK, what do I want to edit with? How much do I want to spend on editing? How much time do I want to spend on editing? How anally retentive am I going to be with editing? Yeah, I mean, these are. Things you struggle with, I know, because you're a lot like me. You're, you're very particular about what that sound is, making sure others sound good. And so it wasn't just about podcasting for me. I wanted to learn how to edit. I wanted to contribute to the show end to end, especially when we took ownership of the show end to end this year, or back in 2022. Wanted to really make sure that that part of the quality, because one thing that Mike Rondo always accentuated with us, and this is something that's carried on through y'all's show, I know is listenability. You know, the one thing that you can turn someone off right away so quickly is that they just have a really hard time listening to your show. If it could be the best content in the world, but if you can't listen to it or it's not if it's you know a level that you're not used to, it's going to be really difficult to you know to to want to continue to engage in that from a listener's perspective. And so that was something I've always taken to heart of making sure that we produce the best quality product and so Fortunately, like you guys have said so many times, 
you don't have to invest a lot of money to get started with podcasting to sound you know, really pretty good. And then you don't have to invest a lot of money in the back end on the editing side, but you do need to invest the time on both of those to make sure that you kind of get the right mix of the product and the right mix of time and the right mix of expertise to make sure that you're producing that quality product that you want for people to, that you want people to hear and that you're proud of other people hearing and they'll want to come back to you and stay for what you're saying. Yeah. For a while it was, and this was before your time, musician gear was transitioned to podcasts. And then there were some introductory podcasting stuff like the Audio Technica ATR 2100, which we would still recommend. But now, especially since the pandemic, but it had nothing to do with the pandemic. This stuff was all in development before the pandemic. It was higher level starting podcast specific gear. And I'll extend that to streamers, not necessarily podcasters, but streamers. So you get stuff like the Sure MV7 that's out there that's if I was starting today and I wanted to throw just a little change at it, that's what I would do is I would just get a Sure MV7 USB, plug it into whatever device I had, tablet, a computer, a Mac, whatever, and then even a phone and record that way. And you'd sound tremendously better than way back in the beginning with the audio gear. And talking about that just a little bit, do you know how I met Mike Rondu? No, I don't. Okay, for the listeners here, Mike Rondu was the original creator of the Cantina Cast, which is the main podcast that Jonesy's on. Mike actually did a podcast about podcasting. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, he had like seven episodes out there, but he and okay. Joel, who were the two original hosts of Cantina Cast, they did about seven episodes of a podcast about podcasting. They came to a convention in Indiana. And I had just started better podcasting. I was like, hey, that's great. I want to meet another podcaster about hobby podcasting, basically. Mike and I had very similar ideals at the time. So I met him and started chatting after it a little bit. But that's how I originally met Mike is through his podcast about podcasting. I found his Star Wars podcast. I'm like, okay, I'm all in because this is, as you imagined, was a great show to begin with. But that's just a little story about how I actually came into contact with Cantina Cast. wasn't actually looking for Star Wars stuff. It was how fun is that? Yeah. So as I knew that he had a, I knew he had originally started Cantina Cast originally started as like a Star Wars, the old Republic. Mike would love people to forget that, uh, <laughs> but it became, it was really an old Republic video game podcast. I didn't realize that he actually did one about podcasting in general. Cause he's always, he's always kicking around some of these other ideas about like confessions of a Star Wars podcaster and things like kind of the behind the scenes look mm-hmm. of things, the, I don't know, the seedier side sometimes, I guess, maybe, but I never knew that he actually went in and did one about podcasting. That's actually pretty cool. I like hearing how people meet and how they, just the weird circumstances sometimes that people get aligned. You can't just drop that and then not go with it. I wasn't planning on asking you, but the seedier side of podcasting, you got any stories there? I think there's always stories there. I mean, gosh, I remember when we went to Chicago, you and I actually had a great conversation uh, about, cause we were hosting our first meetup and gosh, I was, I was in over my head. I was like, okay, I don't know what we're doing. We got like three or four dozen people that want to come out and, and, and meet us at the show or meet us uh, after hours at this bar and stuff like that. And I remember the one piece of advice that stuck with me that you gave me that was, was take care of your listeners, right? Make sure everyone is taken care of. Like your number one job is make sure everyone is taken care of, you know, safety that they feel 
engaged, they feel appreciated that they're there. You know, it's a multifaceted type of comment. But it, while not seedier, it was just, it was just a takeaway I had though about engaging with people kind of behind the scenes that you don't know. But yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of like Chicago has some fun stories that uh, over a beer, I'll, I'll tell some people about some of my. I got really pissed at one of my friends actually that was uh, at at uh, a celebration of a state of the house we were at. I thought something had happened. Turns out it didn't. It was just a, a misunderstanding. But still, I lost my cool on it. I was very stressed at the time, as you can imagine. But it was it was not cool. But if you get a couple beers of me, I'll admit that story. Well, I'll, I'll have a really good laugh. So a little bit behind the scenes there to explain. Celebration is a main convention that Star Wars Disney basically now, but Star Wars arm of Disney has. I would say every year, but it's in a different city and not necessarily the same time every year. And they've skipped years in the past, but it's a main convention with 50,000 people, 70,000. It depends on the venue in the year, but there's a lot of people there. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's a, it's an expo, right? And that it's like a, it's very much like San Diego Comic-Con, but it's just for Star Wars. So you hear about new content that's coming. You get uh, panels. So shows like us, they have podcasting stages. They have how-to panels. They have the the model builder club, you know, the ones who build the R2 units, people who doc, do costuming. They will have art. They had the audiobook artist and do a panel on audiobooks or all the books. And there's just so many things besides your big, huge stage announcements like oh a new movie when we were in chicago they, of course they were announcing rise of skywalker and so that was really epic and they had you know different shows that were coming out and so depending on the year you know what that mix looks like might be a little bit different but it's just a really cool place you know for everybody to come together for three or four days and they move them around so it's been in the u.s a lot the last few years usually they're kind of going between orlando and anaheim and then chicago a year and then this year out they're out in london in april this year uh, so it's really cool for to see them go go back overseas uh, outside the U.S. for those folks who, because everybody travels for this thing. If they can swing it, they do it. But it's a it's a big deal. It's and again, it's a great place for everyone to come together and celebrate Star Wars rather than kind of get bogged down by the, you know, the unfortunate social media nightmare that we we all kind of get wrapped into every once in a while. And that's the point that I was trying to make. You have this main gathering point, and I know Doctor Who does the same thing with conventions as well. But you have this main gathering point that you can go to where your fans, the people that want to listen to a Star Wars podcast, are going to be at. And that's why you had that meetup, is that you were all congregating in an area that had the subject matter of where you were podcasting on anyway. So you went ahead and you took some time before, after, and during to set up events for your fans to be with you and your community. And right. I think that was special. I, I know it's a little dicey around conventions because there's always the broader convention stuff going on, but you had a pretty good community that wanted to get together. And since they were all going to be in the same place specifically because that convention, you made it happen. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, and we're fortunate enough to be, and this is a testament to, to Mike and kind of our forefathers, if you will, of, you know, they built a huge show. And it was a really huge show for a long time. And then a lot of things happened, unfortunately, but we're, we're in the rebuilding process again, which is actually really exciting for me. But, but it's, it's a, when you have an established fan base, when we stepped in, it's really cool that people want to engage with you. They like you, they like what you're hearing so much. And I think you guys have said this numerous times, you know, 
you get people in the door by the content, right? About what you're talking about, what's in the description, what's in the title. You know, you get them hooked that way, but they stay for the people, right? They stay for the personality. They stay for the discussion. They stay for that engagement. And so that people are willing to come out and see us in person and spend what is really a very busy, long weekend for everybody. You're running from place to place. You're trying, you know, so-and-so's got an event over here. You know, I want to go see Coffee with Kenobi. Well, I want to go see Cantina Cast. I want to go see whoever, you know, everybody's got something going on. And then they started doing things at night, you know, for, you know, uh, the uh, uh, reveals for, you know, for Obi-Wan Kenobi this last time. So you're up against all of these things that are going on. So anybody that can make it, it's still just, it's really heartwarming that people want to do that. It's kind of like having a Patreon, like that people would want to donate to your show to help you cover your cost and for you to, and we take everything we make, we put it right back in for events like that. So we can cover making sure everyone gets a t-shirt, making sure everyone gets some swag when they go home, you know, and, and going around the bar. One of the funnier stories, we were at that bar in Chicago, you know, over that very first night and at this restaurant. And one of the guys that we were with was just, you know, trying to give our shirts away to everybody. And this guy actually took off his shirt at the bar and put our Cantina Cash shirt on. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I think you may, you might remember Will. He's just a yeah. bundle of personality. And it was just a very surreal moment. And you talk about, go back a minute over here for CD or side. We were at a, a podcaster meetup at Celebration in the hotel lobby uh, bar one night. And Albert and I are just kind of walking around. And again, we're, we're relatively new to the show. We've been doing it about a year, year and a half at this point. And this guy comes up to us. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He, you're Albert and Jonesy, right? You're Cantina Cash, right? And I'm like looking at my shirt. I'm like, yeah, I got, yeah, I'm Cantina yeah, Cash. Yeah. You know, I wasn't being a smart ass, I promise. I was just like in shock a little bit. And this guy had a few cocktails, SP, not going to lie. He dropped to his knees and started like doing the we're not worthy thing from Wayne's World. I have not been that uncomfortable in a really long time, but it's a really surreal moment of like someone that just gets that excited. And it's kind of like just, you, know, you kind of fanboy out a little bit. And I do it with other shows. I mean, getting to meet you at, at, at Celebration and some of them, uh, we had a meetup, I think, ahead of time we got to meet you at. You know, those things are really cool when you can finally meet people that seem like they're always at arm's reach. And so I have to continue to remind myself, like, this is really cool that I'm just as much of a fan of these people are as they might be of our show. And it's just, it's so much fun to get that enthusiasm. That's the great thing about podcasting, because by far and large, what you're doing is you're talking to one person. They're listening through their earbuds. They're driving. They're alone. They're listening on podcasts, or even if they're listening in a car full of four people or whatever, it's and they really never see you. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking to them, and then you're not seeing them, so you're not aware other than like the download numbers and the engagement that you get in social media, whatever community that you have set up, so you know that you actually have some people that are listening and are engaging, and then you go to an event like that and you actually meet somebody in person and you're just starstruck. I, I guess you feel like, you know them and they don't know you at all. So right. from a podcaster standpoint, it's like you might be talking to a crackpot. You don't know this person individually. You feel very embarrassed because you got a little imposter syndrome going on. Like I, I'm, I'm not all that, but you've right. literally been talking to them for, in your case, in my case, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, right. and they have gotten to know you, your opinions, they either agree or disagree with you, but you have something in common from their standpoint. And then from your standpoint, all you have in common is, is, is that, that they're a fan. But 
that's the great thing about podcasting is you can create that individual relationship with one particular person, one person at a time to get your audience to 20,000, 50,000, you know, in, and for hobby podcasters, we're talking hundreds, maybe yeah. a couple of thousand, but eventually if, if you hit it big, you can get 20 to 50,000 listeners on, on a good podcast. So, and I yeah. think that's the really cool thing about discord. And, and we started doing live streams more consistently and being able to see the names come across in the live stream comments and to see them in discord regularly and give people a kind of their own dedicated areas, depending on you know, how they want to support the shows is really cool because then you, you do start to build that. So we do have more of an affinity towards them and have more of that connection. It's more bi-directional. And, and I know you guys, y'all's, y'all's discord server is always, always hopping. And so it's just really cool to be able to see that. And you just have the same people to where you, you wish each other good morning. Right. It's like going to work sometimes like, Hey, good morning. You know, everybody, how's everybody doing? And without fail, you get those same people who are always there first thing bright and early. Hey, good morning, SP or whatever it is. And, you know, it's really cool that we have that beyond just social media because social media, there's just, it's overwhelming. But with discord, you're going to a place for this specific reason, for these specific people and for these communities that we're hopefully really fostering a really positive you know, community for that, that they feel comfortable being there and speaking up. Yep. Let's just go back a second. How do you record Cantina cast? So today we do it with StreamYard, like we're recording today here. So we do a live stream and thankfully it does a, it does a unique recordings, audio recording. So we'll download those and then we will, you know, we'll edit them in an Adobe audition and distribute them you know, via our media host. So that's how we're doing it today. We used to do like what most people do. We would, you know, record ourselves locally on audition. We would be in a Skype call or we would be in a, oh gosh, what were some of the other tools out there that we were using? You you guys, we we used so many, I can't, but it's been a while. Yeah. I don't think you were around in the blab days or were you? No, I think I was, I was on the end of the blab days. Yeah. Okay. But there was another one that uh, I think is still actually being out there. I mean, I've heard, I've been part of some that record in discord. And so there's no shortage of ways to do it. But today we're just doing through StreamYard since we do the live stream and it broadcasts everywhere we want it to be. And that's, that's kind of the most beneficial for us. And the audio quality is, is good enough. I don't think it's as good as recording locally and then editing that way. But at least you do get a, you know, a compressed wave file. Do you back your audio up anywhere? You know, we used to, but no, not anymore. We just okay. wing it. Which, I mean, that's, that's the thing with live streams, right? I mean, when you're live... You are susceptible to anything that goes on. And we've had a really, we've had two really rough stretches in 2022 where my audio was all jacked up for a while. And then Albert's has been, his internet's been dropping a lot lately. And you know, you're, you're just more subjected to all of that stuff and you have fewer opportunities to go back and fix it. But then again, if you're recording locally, I mean, that stuff doesn't really matter anyway. But now you're in front of everybody talking and you have people like, Hey, what's going on? Well, I can see Albert, but I can't see Jonesy or whatever it might be, you know, and going from there, it's, it can be a little dicey at times, but it just goes with the territory. You get used to it after a while. I mean, in a, in a good way, not a bad way. Right. With the StreamYard beta single audio track, mm-hmm. local recording, and then it's uploaded to the cloud. I've had a couple of issues so far with that. So I am very hesitant to go all in. I will still record locally. Matter of fact, I probably Steve and I are big proponents of recording locally because it's always that one show where it's that one moment that you're having with your co-host. That's just, 
impossible to reproduce. Yeah, it's yeah. like in the moment, spontaneous, and and you got to have it or a guest, like a key guest, and you, you're never going to get them back. So for those cases, I just take the standard. I'm going to record my audio locally forever and just make sure that I have it because I I'm not going to lose anything. And in, in the past, now granted. The services, as you pointed out, have gotten a little bit better over time. The hardware has gotten a little bit better over the time. But in the past, I've, I've had to go through many, many backups in order to get to the true file. But StreamYard has been pretty good to me so far. I've been trying the beta stuff. I've actually been talking back and forth. Who is it? Who I always see on the I've talked to Dana. She's the, the person that's actually on the uh the the commercials on youtube that you see and stuff and she's great and she'll hand you off to the developers and they're great too nice. i made some suggestions they said oh yeah that's a good idea so Streamyard, like all of most of them are very very comfortable with talking to its users because they want to develop something that the most of their users want now that's the i mean we could get into project management requirement creep and everything like that right. but the basic thing is that these services are very versatile. They're very uh, looking forward to working with most podcasters. And they're like, okay, what do podcasters actually need? So if there's something that you need and they're not providing it, speak up. You know, wh- whether it's Riverside or uh, I- Lipson's got their own thing now, or if it's StreamYard or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Zencaster is one make sure you talk to them. And if it's not working for you, find another one because you're going to find what you need eventually. All right. So you said that you have an RE320. You still have that? Yep. It's what I use today. And you probably can't see it because of the uh, the name card, but yeah, use an RE320. I'll use the pop filter off and on with it. And I've got a uh, Elgato low, as a low profile arm that kind of comes off to the side rather than having the cage mount, kind of like what you've got. I just didn't like having something in my face all the time. And so I had, again, that's why I was entertaining the shotgun mic at one point, but uh, this has worked pretty well. I do get a little vibration, I think, on it. So I need to spend a little time trying to figure that out. But overall, it's been pretty solid. I know Steven loves his. So you go from there into, let me see if I remember right. You have a Focusrite? Not anymore. So these days I'm going straight into the first iteration of the Rodecaster Pro. All right, so I was going into a Scarlet 2i2, uh, the Focusrite, and then I would go into a DBX 286S. And uh, again, I'll use the RE320 the entire time. Uh, but the uh, the DBX started having a bit of an issue, and I was just getting really frustrated because I think the, I, I think it might be, I know you had sent me one of yours and said, hey, this one's got a problem too. See if you can figure it out. And I never could figure that one out either. Yeah. Um, but I think it was with the, uh, with the compression. It was just all over the place. And actually, I, I think it might not even be the device. I think it may have been StreamYard actually. Mm. Uh, and so, and then StreamYard cleaned something up. And then they also gave us more finite control over uh, the automatic mic settings and the autos and all of that. And so, this was pretty early on when they were doing some of that. But yeah, everything goes in through the first Roadcaster Pro. Now, I went ahead and, and bit the bullet on that one. I absolutely love it. I keep flirting with the idea of getting the second one, especially since watching your videos and I know some other folks that have got them. and seeing the videos is kind of like that next, that next step. And that they ironed the things out that, you know, the, the preamps, I think in particular, I've got a little bit of a problem with this one is a little bit noisy uh, compared to what I was used to going with the direct interface and the DBX. So I end up having in the editing room, I do have to end up doing a little bit more work with, uh, with noises. Well, I think 
you know, you haven't asked for my advice, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. If it I'm was always me, open to it, yeah, I would probably keep with the Roadcaster Pro OG or one or whatever you want to call it for a little while and wait okay. for the prices to come down even more on the Roadcaster Pro 2. There's some issues we've noted, like the sound pads can fire on their own at any time, which is an issue. There's some issue with the headphone monitoring. There's like a notch at about 11 o'clock that it just goes from really quiet to boom, loud. And they're working through those issues as far as they can with firmware, but it's still at the end of the day, it's hardware issue. So eventually I'm hoping the firmware is going to be able to compensate for all of that. But because of that, I would just wait until it's at the end of closer to the end of like three or four years in as long as your OG is continuing to work. Now, if your OG fails and, you know, get whatever you want to. But that would be my advice to anybody with an OG right now. You already have an amazing device unless you have a problem with it. Like you were were saying, I wouldn't even think about moving up into the uh, Rodecast Pro 2. Yeah. And I like this one because it's it's portable enough to where I was able to take it to Austin to visit Albert and we were able to do a May the 5th live event out there and to use that there. And also I've got a Zoom P4 for travel purposes, although I need to I need to figure more of a noise gate out for that one that's more portable than than the DBX uh, that without using software. I, there's some software options. I can go out there and use Crisp and some others, but I've been less impressed with some of them. I, maybe I'm just the standard and the bar is set so high by the DBX and what the DBX does at such a great price point that is really hard, even at free or at a lower cost software side to reproduce that. And I think that's one of the things about the Rodecaster Pro is that the noise gate to me is, is fine on the back end when it releases, but it's that initial, that initial pickup, it'll cut off some of my words, just a, the tiniest bit, the even after, yeah, the attack, right. Even after adjusting it and my voice is a little bit quieter from time to time, especially when I speak, you know, I start speaking. And so it, it doesn't always pick it up and it'll kind of jump open, you know, for the noise gate, which is a little bit frustrating, but again, kind of trade off compared to where I was at, but, right. Um, but yeah, so I need something for the, for the zoom that'll help me balance some of that out. So I don't have as much just open it, the, the noise gate's just not open, you know, cause unfortunately my, you know, the other rooms, I mean, I don't have as much control over the sound as I do in here. Right. So, and I've gone up to the cabin, I've taken the P4 and I've used the Rodecaster, not the Rodecaster, the Procaster microphone from Rode, which is the equivalent of the RE320. And I still get some room noise. And so I, I basically, I give up sound control when I go remote because I know I'm not going to be in my same studio. I'm not going to have the nice noise gate and stuff like that. Right. So I will take care of the noise gate in post, but it's not going to be perfect. So it's a little bit either more of a editing issue or if I just don't care it's not I don't care but if I just need to get it out yeah you do the best you can and and we you mentioned we had the the network which you've you're you're rocking the the shirt there that we who gave you as an honorary member of course and you know as we brought shows on one of the things we wanted to help them with was producing better you know better sounding audio that meant that means a lot to us it meant a lot to Mike and running and a lot of that's you know your your legacy with an egm as well and your glue media uh, the name of the podcast that's going away uh but it's something that we've been able to tell them is like you know while we want to edit things to death to make it sound perfect and sound amazing and you guys have really done a great job of stressing this when people listen to podcasts it's not always it's very rarely in ideal conditions anyway they're in a car with road noise they're on a bus with 
and with other noise around them. They don't always have the $300 pair of Bose, you know, sound blocking headphones or they're on an airplane or whatever it might be. So give yourself some grace with it that you're not going to get everything perfect, but it's about making sure that when the things do happen, they're for enough and you know, there's, there's enough space in between those things that people don't really notice them and they just chalk them up to, or actually they just don't notice them. You know, they don't even think twice about it. They're not, they're not doing the edit with you, right? They're just there to listen to what you're saying, make sure they can hear it. So do you and, I was going to say Jonesy, do you and Albert share editing responsibilities or does one of you edit and then the other one takes a turn or how does that work? Yeah. So we usually do two shows a week. So I'll edit one and he'll edit the other, which is good. I recommend people to share that responsibility if they're producing more than one a week or in general. Because I think it's for good for both parties to understand what the experience is. And you and I were talking a little bit about this before we went, came on air of saying, if I'm doing something that's impacting your edit of me, I'd want to know so I could try to do something with that, whether it's crutch words or some other technique type of thing that's going on. You know, let me know so I could try to get better and we can figure it out together. And then vice versa, you know, if I'm editing, I want you to feel like you're empowered to say, okay, hey, you're not creating a four hour edit. It should be a two hour edit, you know, because of I'm going back in the details and doing a lot of cleanup. And so it is really, I think it's good to have that pass off. Now, what I do notice is that we have different styles of editing and we have different ears about how we like the edit to sound. And so that's something, but our, our content is being distributed in two different ways when we edit. So it's been less of a, something that we've tackled. We've just kind of let that ride. Albert tends to light a, like a little bit brighter sound. I tend to like a little fuller, a little more uh, kind of mid-range sound. Still the highs coming through crisp and clean, but a little more of a, a full sound than accentuating the highs. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because you and I, we both do shows on other media. I do Marvel, you do Star Wars. You know, on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I do Marvel, and Cantina Cast, you do Star Wars. It's interesting to hear you say that with two different editors because... On most of the shows I do, it's just like one editor, but with two or multiple editors, that's fun to bring up from a perspective of we review other media. So we pick up on when there's a new editor or a director, or we talk about the styles of the show and yeah, how we do it's the same. different. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of funny. I never thought of that because if you have multiple editors that you can say, Hey, that sounds different. And I, I wonder why. And right. in your case, it's like, well, I'm editing versus Albert. Yeah. I mean, we're using the same software and we're using a lot of the same techniques, you know, for the most part, but, and then some of it goes back to how much time you have to invest in that edit and, and who that audience is, you know, for that particular edit too, I guess. So, and there's, there's if then maybes for all of those scenarios about how much, how alike do you want them to be? But even, you know, this too, just based on the different type of hardware you have, you know, the different headphones you have, you know, you will hear something different regardless. It doesn't matter if you are, you could have the exact same, when we think we edited the exact same way and applied the same effects, but it'll sound different to each one of us. So if we adjust off of that, it's going to sound different on the speakers to someone. So you're always going to have some amount of, of difference there, not being in the same studio with the same exact, like you're in the same room with someone doing it on the exact same set of equipment too. We touched on it a little bit before, but I want to ask you, I do similar sorts of stuff with Marvel, especially lately. It's kind of dragging <laughs> the, the fan base, yeah. uh, Star Wars fan base, especially with the seven, eight, nine, it's gotten very t 
toxic, I guess, very controversial. You still have the truest, the purest, and I think you guys cultivate your community towards that. But there's still a section of the fan base that's very, let's say, toxic or controversial. How do you deal with that in your show? That's a great question. When Albert and I took the show over, we were really on the on the slot, the back slide of that when it was really getting nasty. And uh, all of the, the the Kylo and the Ray, the you know the Raylo type of stuff, you know, was going on. A lot of toxicity, a lot of a lot of it directed towards women, of course, and 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 that stuff still happens to this day. Unfortunately, we tend to our approach is we model the behavior that we want in our community. Like everybody is welcome to have their opinion as if they do it respectfully and we will help coach them of what that looks like. And if they violate our trust in that, then we will, we'll call them out and we will remove them from the community if we need to. And so we're usually, I mean, we're very respectful about it. Albert and I are, are very good at this type of thing. Usually we, we have good relationship skills and, and, you know, talking with the community and we think that we do okay, at least at it. You know, not everybody's going to like our approach, but we do have some people who come into our live streams and just want to, you know, berate things. So we make sure that we don't highlight some of those comments and we, you know, we, we kind of come back around and if they get really abusive or if there's any vulgar, of course, we'll just outright remove those from the, the stream and, and go that route. But in Discord in particular, we had a really big problem. And unfortunately, we were moving servers, so we were able to uninvite some people <laughs> to that move which helped us get an initial big cleanup but a lot of it is just continuing to work continuing to work when we see behaviors and things that get said having a chat on the side with them and saying hey what's going on you know what you know, i see this is going on can you help me understand what you're what's going on with this and then reinforce the behaviors that we want and then if they're not take if they're not getting it we're a little more direct we're very much more direct with that and say look is kind of the standards we have here in discord of course you have your rules and you have your guidelines and all of that stuff which help but at the end of the day you have to be active in managing it and being engaged and again if you have a smaller show this is much easier than if you have a gigantic show but if you have a gigantic show then you know all kind of all bets are off but i think there's a certain limit though you're like okay well as far as our listeners there's only so much you can do to influence that behavior they'll still do what they want to do but how we allow them to associate with us, we do have some level of control over and go with that. Now with the fandom in general, though, with Star Wars, Albert loves poking and prodding those people. I, I'm not going to lie with you. He, he, it's like a game with him. It's entertainment, I think. And so, but for me, I, I tend to stay away from it. I don't, I don't need any more toxicity in my life, to be honest with you. I'd rather focus on the things we enjoy. We don't cater to one group or the other. We might have a little fun at each other's expense from time to time, but we do so again very respectfully, and we know we're, we're we make sure it's clear we're having a good time, and we're not doing it repetitively. So we we think we find a good balance with with some of that with with having the fun in there as well as not taking ourselves too seriously. But at the end of the day, we also have to like you taught me all those years ago, and we need to protect ourselves, but also protect our community, and uh, you know protect individuals too if there's anything going on that's more pointed. I guess along those lines, when the fandom started to turn toxic, there was a retraction away from the fandom, a lot of the cases. So a lot of the Star Wars podcasts took hits, and I've seen that a lot with the Marvel stuff now, not just Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., but other podcasts that are out there. Some of it is the change to more content in a streaming fashion with Disney Plus in both of our cases, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. But um, 
I guess this goes beyond the media that we cover into general podcasting. What are the, some of the specific things that you were doing to turn that around and rebuild your show? Well, and unfortunately, if you go back and listen to some of those shows in 2017, into 2017, 2018, and into 2019, the show was negative. Like the, the, the comments being made by one of the hosts was always, always consistently negative. And when we, you know, when, when that needed to change and then decisions were made to finally make some of those changes, we had to make the point of saying, what are we here for? What, how do we want to attack this? And we want to be, we want to do constructive criticism because we don't want to lose credibility. We can be, we can, we can give feedback in a constructive way, or we could say we don't like something as much as something else without feeling like, or being called a shill. We've been called shills too. We've been called all sorts of names, you know, at the end of the day, but we just stay true to who we are. You know, we, we love Star Wars. We love the content. We love what we're doing. We want that love to come across and for people to, to gravitate to that. Cause what we saw numbers wise is with that negativity, Patreon dropped by like 80%. Uh, our numbers dropped by about 75% and they were continuing. To, I mean, they were just the, the bottom fell out of it. Now, some of that was Star Wars in general. It wasn't necessarily our podcast, but when you look at our reviews on iTunes in that time, one star, two star, one star, where they had been pretty much five stars across the board for years, you know, and consistently one of the biggest star, uh, star Wars podcasts out there. And again, huge testament to the guys before us, but unfortunately it got to that point where the entire thing was falling apart, not just the fandom, but everything around the fandom, including you know, our podcast too at the time. And so when we went in there, we, we had to put a really say like, hey, this is, this is our stamp. This is who we are. Let's make sure that's really clear. And, you know, we'll, we, we, and we're honest about this. We, we talk about it even to this day on the show, like that, we'll just kind of call it out there of like, you know, this is okay to do. We can be respectful about it though. And, and just again, continue to be positive or at least be, Positively constructive. Okay, that's one way to handle it. And definitely, if you're if you're critical but positive, that's good. I'll just give a converse sort of example. Starling Tribune on the CW Arrowverse. I just couldn't handle it anymore. All, all the all the sh- uh, podcasters, we were just like, okay, we're done. We we had lost the joy in it. I guess kind of like Mike did with Star Wars and. The problem was we kind of just wanted, we were like completionists. We wanted to get to the end yeah. and we wanted to get to the end of Arrow, which the show was really about. And then it expanded into the general Arrowverse. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I had a fan show called Starling Tribune. It was on a, a series of shows on the CW network called the Arrowverse because they were all DC related shows that started with the show Arrow about Green Arrow. So it was dubbed the Arrowverse. And it just got, it, it was really good when it started, but I, I would say like two years into it, three years into it, just started on this downward yeah. slide and just At didn't, it was rough. And until it got to like years seven and eight and eight year eight, they did the crisis crossover, which was amazing. Right. So they did get all arrow did go out on a high note and we're like, okay, but that's it. We're done. Even though the Arrowverse continued with other shows, we're like, we can't do this. And I think, we made the right decision at the time because between the quality of the shows and the mess that's happening over Warner Brothers, it just all collapsed on itself. And there's nothing you can do unless you want to transition to all comics. And there's issues with that too. And 
So we just said, okay, we're all interested in doing other stuff. We're going to stop the show and we're going to move on. So as a testament to you and Albert of moving on and keeping it going for a while until I'd say until the Disney plus shows came along and really reinvigorated the fan base with Mandalorian uh, recently with Andor, although I have some issues with it, but overall it's a good constructed Mm show. So I think some of it is the IP got better and some of it is the positivity that you were maintaining with your show. Yeah. And again, we kind of went, we went back to what the Cantina cast was about too. And we have this conversation about every second or third week with people about, about this type of topic. And it goes back to people like, well, if you don't like something, how do you get motivated to talk about it? How do you stay away from that? And Albert and response is like, we go back to what is the purpose of the Cantina cast? The Cantina cast is to provide thought-provoking Star Wars talk. So we talk about the characters, we talk about the motivations, we talk about how they fit within canon, we talk about speculation, what it might mean. We focus on the content, not necessarily our opinions about the content as much when it comes to those types of things. Now, we're still slip in there, like whether we enjoyed it or not, or if it hit, if it hit all the marks or that, you know, but... So that, that personality still comes out. We're still being true to ourselves and to our audience. But we get back to just the focus on the content and those motivating factors, which, again, was a, a, a unique factor for the Cantina cast anyway. At the start was that it wasn't just a general news and opinion type of show. Now, kind of the converse to your converse side, some people just double down on the negativity and they go all in because, let's be honest, it sells. Right. And so a lot of the channels you see on YouTube or some of the traditionally big Star Wars podcasts have made a lot of money off of insane negativity and sharing false information. And unfortunately, it's kind of the, the nature of social media and kind of the nature of our society in some ways. I don't want to broaden that too much because I think that's still a very narrow sect of people, but it's a very noisy, narrow sect of people, you know. And but unfortunately, it's a reality. And some people double down on that. And they just, go all in and if they're going to burn the bridge with Bert Disney, they might as well make a lot of money doing it. And some of them are hugely successful at it, unfortunately. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting anybody do that. Cause that sucks. Don't, don't do that. People that's terrible. Don't be a bad human being. I could not maintain that sort of negativity year after year after year. That just, uh, it wouldn't work for me personally, but I guess I, some I, people, how it does. doesn't eat your soul away. I mean, it's like the, it's like the whole idea of the dark side, right? It just, the more you give in to hate and the more you give in to all these things, just the more it takes from you. And that's what I vision with all these people. I'm like, man, you're going to look old and shrivelly with yellow eyes in about two years. It's not looking good for you, bro. Steven and I on Better Podcasting, we always say, make sure you have fun with your show because that's yeah. how you're going to keep on going over time. Because it's a grind. I mean, you, you guys know this. You guys have done a bajillion episodes. It's a grind sometimes. I mean, it's hard work. I mean, that's a lot of prep, a lot of stuff that goes into the show and then all the stuff that comes after and social media and if you're running a network like y'all do there's a lot of demands and expectations it's a it's a lot of work on top of everything else you have going on in your normal life so on top of all that how do you handle promotion this is something we're not as good at uh, truth be told so i mean we try to do as much promotion in the show of course as possible we do social media we've tried what we found is it works best is if we have a true person dedicated to social media and that's all that they do but we don't have any money to pay them. So that becomes very difficult to have someone that can be on the ball all the time doing it. Albert is exceptionally good at social media, but it just becomes a time thing. Mm-hmm. And he's got what, 18 kids now? 19? What, did he have another one? Is it 19 kids now? 
No, he's still at 18. It's fine. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, there's a huge stresses on everyone's time for it. And even when you, it's like, what do you want to do? You have choices to make, right? So do I want to go out there and promote our content or do I want to create more content and create diverse content? You know? And so where do you want to spend that time? There should be a balance in there, but if you can find someone to help you promote your stuff, especially if they're really good at it, find someone that has kind of a skill that wants to, that kind of wants to explore that and they're willing to invest the time and sign them up and just give them access to that social media account and just have them go at it and just set some expectations. I mean, set some, you know, guidelines. And again, this is something Albert's better at than I am, but you know, of like, here's the expectations we want to do. Here's the a number of engagements. This is kind of, and when something gets posted on the starwars.com Twitter feed, we want to be able to have responded to that and put it out there within, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is, you know, be the first to market if you can, because that, that just, you got to work the algorithms in some way. Uh, but we've shifted away from that and we, we kind of get more comfortable of saying, you know what, we want to produce better content. We want to produce content only, not only for the people that we give to everybody, but the things that, you know, people, you know, donate to our show and get, make sure that they're getting their money's worth and that they feel like they're valued as well. And then finding things that we like to do in the, in the, also in, within all of that, that context. And so with promotion, we probably neglect that a bit. I think this is a pretty common thing with podcasts. If you go out there and look at social media and stuff, but. Uh, it's something that we're, if you like to do social media and you're really good, give me a shout Jonesy at cantinacast.com. Yeah. Uh, you can contact me too, about uh, legends of <laughs> shield. There's a couple things there. First of all, what we were just talking about grabbing somebody, I think it's a little bit like a roadie in a theater group, right? Yeah. Some people are good on stage. Some people are good directing. Some people are good writing. Some people are just good at the promotion piece. and It'd be nice to have that on your team, but a lot of people are podcasting either solo or they're starting it with their buddy and it's just the two of them. And this is not enough hours in the day. If you want to do things like a big production, a Joe Rogan show, Yeah, you know, it's not necessarily a podcast right now because it's Spotify exclusive, but okay. They've got a team working on that. You're not going to have that team working on Cantina Cast or Legends of Shield or better podcasting. It's just a couple, literally a couple of guys. Or if you go solo, it's just going to be you. And there's just so much that you can do. You want to engage in the right places. But yeah. And the other thing you were talking about being the first to market, I think that's going to be taken care of in the near future by AI quite a bit more. So, in my opinion, if I was a podcaster starting out right now, or you were trying to revamp your show, I would focus on the more unique stuff that humans can do long-term rather than the, hey, this was just posted by Disney or Marvel. Or We've been talking a lot about Marvel and Disney just because they're kind of equivalent here, but take your pick of whatever you're covering. If you're covering politics, of course, there's a ton of that stuff, and you have a lot of competition. If you're covering some industry, like the farming industry, there's just so much that you can do to compete against the professional news services as well as AI, which a lot of the professional news services are doing. So you have to find that unique slant on things, which I think you've done with Cantina Cast. I'd like to think that I've done it with Legends of Shield. Well, there's great opportunity now when you have YouTube Shorts and you have TikTok. And I know TikTok Brain. I'm not. I'm not on TikTok, but I know people that do a lot of it. And sometimes it, it can be very cool. Another medium to do really quick hitting content 
especially if it is time sensitive and you want to get something out quick and it just brings attention. It's more of it's, I view it more as advertising than an actual consumable thing that you're going to monetize. I know a lot of people do monetize it, but I look at it as I want them to come watch my two hour show or hour to two and a half hour show. I'd rather than me being on camera feeling like an idiot for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute and a half or whatever it might be. And so, but those are new opportunities for people to do fast content that they can do mobile and they can do anywhere to be able to get those thoughts out. And so it is kind of another neat medium to, and that people at least have an option to now that really wasn't that prominent just a few years ago. One thing I have against places like Instagram and TikTok is the conversion rate over to actually listening to the podcast. Cause oh, some people so are, yeah. are going to just stay there. Most people on TikTok actually have asked many, many podcasters, what's your conversion rate? Or I've listened to many podcasters talk about it. Like there is no conversion rate. Everybody just wants to stay on TikTok because the TikTok algorithm is based on keeping you on TikTok. YouTube's the same way. Instagram's the same way or meta if you prefer. Right. So yeah. Well, it's really hard. I mean, and you know, when you make changes and trying to move, like we just, we brought on another uh, person, Lauren, to help us with the book coverage. And she had her own YouTube channel that she was doing books. And again, getting people to follow you, you want to think that, you know, everyone will follow you, right? You have X number of users or listeners and you feel like they'll, they'll come with you, but getting people to make a change and getting people to follow you is very difficult, even if they like you. And because it's an action they have to have, it's something else they need to do. They have to feel compelled to do it. There has to be enough there has to be a reason enough for them to do it as well as constant reminding that they need to go do that because that content is going to go away, which is what we're getting close to on that one. But it's another thing when you're going to make a change and you're going to change something with your show where you're going to do it in a different medium instead of, you know, this or that, or if you're going to move discord or whatever that might be, now be patient because your, your numbers might take a hit and who comes with you. You know, it might be a little bit disappointing until you have a chance to ramp that back up. Yeah. It's always a struggle. Now, if you could have told yourself one thing to make it easier to start podcasting before you started guesting, what would you have told yourself? Oh my gosh. That is so hard. I probably would have uh, told myself to relax a little bit and not get so worked up over every little thing I did wrong. Uh, those, that first year, goodness gracious, I couldn't tell you how many times I felt like I, I just took all these notes about all the mistakes I made to the point where I was losing track where I was in the show. Now, thankfully it was not a live stream back then. It was just purely audio only and we were recording and Mike would edit it. But you know, a lot of that stuff was unfortunate because it was the, the content could have just been that much better. Had I just relaxed a little bit and just kind of stepped into it, it listened more. One thing I like about where our show is now, where it was before is, and I think this is something I've been pushing not intentional, well, kind of intentionally, but kind of more indirectly, is it for to like this, like is to be more conversational and to have a more less scripted type of, you know, program and just something that feel that people feel engaged by. And they do feel like it's just two people or three people, however many it is getting together to talk about something they love. And they have, they're talking with one another, not talking to another or talking to someone else. You know, with better podcasting, you guys are talking to the audience, right? You're trying to give them a message and trying to do that. But when you and Steven come together and have a conversation, you're having a conversation with one another and people stay for that engagement, right? And they, they love that engagement. I love that engagement. To me, that's the really exciting stuff. The rest is information, but I want to see that interaction. I want to know these guys get along, right? That they're friends outside the show. We all, we all think everybody's best friends outside the show. Some people can't stand each other, but 
you know, Albert and I really are friends outside the show. We do, we give each other a hard time because we like each other and we, we, we want to push each other in different ways. And so if I were to look back though, relax and kind of lean more into the conversation side rather than being so taken with my notes. And I get to the point now where I take very few notes. Mine are very high level outline, uh, more or less to keep me on track or make sure there are certain key points I want to fit within the general note set that Albert has as the lead host. You know, he'll have a bit more robust of making sure we're on schedule and things like that, but there will be things in there I want to make sure that I, that I feel are relevant and important to get in there. And then mm-hmm. I ask a lot more questions these days than I used to as well. And we give, like, we give each other a lot of surprises. So it's, 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 it's become a tick for tack type of thing too, but it's still fun and it works within the context of the show, I think. I hope. I was thinking of that in terms of how you do it, how the guys over at Smoking and Drinking in Space do it and stuff like that. How we do it in Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is we share the show notes. Yeah. So everybody sees pretty much everything that everybody's going to talk about. So there's no real surprises there. Right. I kind of like bringing the surprises along. Like in Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., what I try to do at the end of our discussion, if there's time, is I usually try to think of this outlandish question to get everybody's creative juices going and, and everything at the end. And I don't tip everybody off to it. I have it on the side. It's not in the show notes. But I kind of like how you guys do it, where you don't share the show notes, or if you do, it's just a general, okay, here are the main segments, and here are some of the stuff that we want to talk about. I kind of like that, because you're right, it takes the conversation a little bit better in that sort of a podcast. Now, if you're talking about an audio drama or a how-to podcast, you're obviously going to be scripted. It's very content-dependent. And again, it depends on the show you want to do. If we're talking about, so a TV episode, because we're, we're doing a lot of these lately because there's so much content, you have a general idea of what the cadence of the show is, but some bounce around a lot. When it bounces around a lot, okay, we need to be a little bit more organized with the show notes and we need to make sure that we're sure we're both comfortable with where those segments are going to be and go that way. Of course, if you're in a segmented show, which we're less of, we do kind of news and promo and then we do the main show and do a, and then do a bit of a wrap up. Uh, but But if you're doing a, a uh, a more uh, the the right superfluous superfluous type of show where you're 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 having to take people with you that might need to be a little bit more structured but yeah just case by case you know whatever works for both your personalities with your you and your co-hosts as well as the content of what you're you're showing or what you're trying to talk about and convey you know whatever makes sense with that combination and then how well you guys can do it right and you guys can do it because that's that's going to tell you how well it works, right? Because you're going to know when you start to feel and get that rhythm with it, that what you, if you enjoy listening to your show, odds are someone else is going to be able to enjoy listening to that show too. If you feel you can, if you can get that joy coming out of it, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So aside from everything else that we talked about up to date, do you have any specific advice, tips or tricks that you would give to other hobby or passion podcasters? Yeah, I think number one is we've talked about when you get started, equipment the really cool thing is and you mentioned this earlier you don't have to invest a lot in equipment so don't let that scare you off there are really budget-friendly items and you 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 give someone a budget like sp and there are so many options now to be able to get that audio quality up with very little effort and a lot of it's very accept you know very accessible too like you were saying before you don't have to go hunt everywhere you don't have to go to specialty shops you don't have to go to in these high-end places so you know Ask a couple questions, give yourself some grace with some of it. Start small. Like you said, the Audio-Tech at 2100, 2105, those are great microphones. 
Uh, we just re have Lauren, we got her one that was the USB and XLR. So you have optionality whenever you want to grow or change. So really cool uh, option there for really budget friendly price. And, you know, but I think some of this, man, I, you guys are stressed so many times of do content that you love, you know, do content that you like doing that you feel like you could talk all day about, or you do talk all day about, and then, you know, find a way to make sure that that, you know, comes across as a, you know, genuine with, with someone, if you're doing it on your own, that's, that's cool too. But I like doing things with people because I just think the conversation adds a whole nother level to things and keep your alcohol in check. <laughs> this is coming from a guy that I believe has an alcohol podcast. Uh, no, we never actually got that one off the ground, but we were, uh, we were, we were thinking about it, but I've been on Joe's barrel house, pod, barrel house mm -hmm. podcast. Of course, he has a, a whiskey and bourbon uh, podcast, which is fantastic. So I have been on that one, but again, you have to, you be careful. The, the, unfortunately, the days of like two bros getting drunk on a microphone appear to be few, fewer and further between than what they were for a while. But I will say this, I used to listen to a, a two guys doing a beer podcast and they were just so hilarious that I just accepted it because they were just the relationship they had and the fun they had. You could kind of get through some of the vulgarness of it and kind of that bro atmosphere, but they were just so genuine in the way that they presented the material and the love that they had for it and the appreciation that they had for it. All of those things dwarf all of the antics. So, hey, to each their own. I mean, everybody has their own way of doing it. Yeah, there's a lot of mom podcasts out there or, or female-based mm -hmm. podcasts that whine and they just have a fun time that way. I personally made it a choice to make sure on nights that I podcast, I do not drink, yep. which is a little bit of a bummer because to be honest with you, earlier tonight, I, Sometimes I really wanted to nip. have a drink, yep. yeah, but I didn't have one because I'm like, dang it, I have a podcast. So I, I, I usually am pretty strict about that. And for any other reason, it's because... I was a possibility of getting dehydrated and that yeah. has all sorts of editing and audio quality issues with it. A right. couple more things. Do you have any gripes with the podcast industry that you've experienced? Anything that you want to see different or changed? I gotta be honest. I'm very disenfranchised with the pricing models that they've got right now with the offerings. They're all over the place to me and they all have a similarity to them. And I know they're trying to differentiate, but they just don't seem to, I don't know the ones where they entice people. I hate advertising because I just feel like it's a farce. Like, Hey, you can come ad you can come do a podcast for free. But when you go look at it, I mean, I don't know how anybody gets a podcast. It's like 20 minutes or an hour a month or something ridiculously low. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but you know, the, the tears and things, I'm just, when I look at what we do, I know we're a pretty exceptional case because we produce so much content every month. And so we're on a, a really, a pretty high end Libsyn uh, tier right now. But when I go and we were looking at evaluating other services, like, man, there's no one else that really offers that. Like, so there's no, there's, there's not always enough competition at the, at the, at the right tiers. I don't want everybody to have the same tier structure, but there wasn't enough unique about it. I think something else I would love to see. So we use StreamYard and we, we pay for the pro version. I don't see enough competitors for StreamYard in that space that offer the same, again, at least what we're looking for. There are no competitors for it. Unless I want to go do OBS studio on my own, which of course is a whole nother set of technical things you have to go through and the hoops you have to jump through to produce that. And StreamYard just makes it so easy. And so I would love to see other, we explored like Riverside, but Riverside's really, or Riverside FM, they really cater more towards recording a podcast and some of those. They've got some really cool features if that's what you're doing, but you know, with the live stream, 
you know, something that's a little more conducive that I think you had mentioned some others are getting into it and, and testing some things out and rolling some things. So I'm curious to see how that evolves and uh, kind of becomes a more inclusive package. Uh, for, I think it'll be product. more focused to streamers rather than podcasters, but yeah. I think it does need to get, because if you're a corporation and you don't want to employ a, a tech guy, that's a producer you'd want to have something that would be a little bit easier, like StreamYard, for instance. Right. I would think. Yeah. And as far as the, I, I know we're, you're kind of jumping between the two, but there's the streaming recording side of the house with StreamYard. There was also the, the podcast media hosting side. Right. You know, Captivate, for example, just extended some of its plans, but there are still detriments to using that. Like if you hit a big podcast episode or podcast show you're going to quickly run into those limits on the other side like libsyn is great because from that perspective because uh, you upload it and then it doesn't matter your back catalog is there and it doesn't matter how many downloads you get now in truth you get enough downloads they're going to want to put you on a pro plan or they're going to want to slip advertising in there sure so that's a little bit of the unspoken truth about even Libsyn, but at least uh, as you're growing, you don't get hit with these limitations. Like somebody can't download your podcast. Why is that? Well, you've run out of bandwidth, right? So thankfully some of them are really good about notifying you and they give you a bit of a grace. Like I've seen, I was looking at Buzzsprout because I, Buzzsprout's got a lot of, you know, promotion lately and of all the lists you see online of the, you know, who are the top, five or 10 podcast hosts or media hosts, you know, for podcasts in 2022, 2023, they continue to come up with their offering, but to get to the offerings that I thought were good, even for a smaller show, they tend to be a bit more expensive. They had a really great package that you could do a lot with, but if I'm starting out, that's a lot. And I was worried about hitting some of those numbers, even with a smaller show and before you have to end up upgrading. And I, I don't, some of that feels, I mean, I get it, but some of that, I just don't like that. And I, I wish there was something that could improve there to find a better balance with some of it. But again, that's why you got so many options, but how many are going to stick around is I, you know, always the thing you guys have stressed so often of, you know, who do you trust in some of those spaces? Now, some of them stuck around for a long time, but they've just kind of don't do anything different either. So I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think anchor is finally going to go away, but it's, it's not going to go away. Well, like a lot of people thought it's just going to be enveloped into Spotify. Spotify right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you have all these different facets and capabilities bandwidth back catalog upload catalog and it it's a lot for a newbie to take in i mean just yeah. to process all like what the hell does all this mean <laughs> yeah multiple rss feeds that's a big one i want yeah. multiple rss feeds i want to upload everything including video and i want to be able to have as much downloads as possible i want iab statistics and i don't want to pay anything yeah no it doesn't exist. I got to be honest with you. I told some people, like, just go YouTube, just go stream to YouTube and just download it from there and do whatever you want and just focus on YouTube. I've actually given that advice for some people. And that was the content they were looking to do because they were wanting the live stream. I'm like, just start with it and just go or with Twitch. it and, and figure yeah. the rest out and expand from there, you know, kind of pick your main one and then, and then grow it from there, you know? Well, there's a difference even in itself between YouTube and Twitch. You know, Twitch yeah. is great for streamers, but your content is only there for two weeks, I think. Yeah, which, yeah, again, does us no good. And if you're looking for monetization, again, those are really far-reaching targets for most shows. I mean, those are the things you have to think about cultivating early on and getting moving early. 
because they do take a lot of time to to grow and to to snowball sometimes unless you just get lucky with something really really great that people really latch on to and it goes viral i have one last question for you what is one doesn't have to be the but what is one favorite moment from your show oh my gosh we've uh oh man just one is it's not from the show it, it was really the the most memorable moment we had was that celebration in 2019 both the the event that we had there as well as the podcast it was just being able it was just really surreal to get up on stage and talk to people being on wgn i know it's kind of an inclusive all of like this big event but that was really one of the really coolest things to do is that it just felt like this is something i never would have ex- expected to experience in my life you know not only and it's not the celebrity type of aspect of it because i don't view us in that way but just that people would want to come out and listen to somebody talk about Star Wars and sit there and, and be engaged and just be completely enraptured by whatever's going on in front of them. And then they want to come talk to you about it afterwards. Sometimes tell you how many times you're wrong, but I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that's the, but that's the, that's the fun of it. Right. And so, yeah, you know, so Star Wars Celebration 2019 was such a huge uh, thing for us, just from a fun perspective and just the interactivity with fans. It's, it's the single biggest thing that keeps me coming back to it. And, and that's why we do, when we do comments on live stream, that's why it's so important for us to integrate it throughout the show, because that helps us kind of keep that conversation. It's how we want the show to be structured. And so things like that really help us stay motivated. And when people come back to us and give us idea, we invite them on the show and they come to us with ideas and they're something we want to explore. That's really cool when you have that engagement. So it's just like engagement in general, I think is probably my favorite thing about uh, podcasting, especially once you get that core of people that you just like being around. And we've been really fortunate enough over the years to accumulate a lot of people that we like being around, yourself included, that really just make it feel like a true community and, and just people that we, we're really proud to call our friends, not just people, not just listeners, right, or something like that, but they're actually our friends. And so that's a really cool feeling. You actually just gave me an idea for a future better podcasting episode. You don't always have to be right. It is true. And we are, off, we are often wrong. So it, it works out really well that way. We've had some comments in chat as we've been chatting away for the past hour plus. So we had Liberty Dude and he said a two-part question. So this is the first one. In your current set of memorabilia, he's talking to you, not me. Is there any item acquired with a specific backstory in collecting that makes it more dear to your heart? Oh boy. That's hard to answer right off the top of my head. Yes. But which one is it? I don't know. I do have some favorites though that, that go with that. But um, recently I can share a more recent find that I had. So I, I go on, I, I collect comic books as well. And I go on, I was spending a lot of time on whatnot, which is basically like live streaming eBay effectively. And I was able to secure the first appearance of Yoda for like $3 or $5 or something like that. And that book is worth quite a bit more than that. It was in, and it's in really good shape too. And so it was just kind of one of those moments. It's like when you go and you find something in the dollar bin or something on the clearance rack, or if you're, if you were, if you're an action figure hunter, you go out there and you find something on the racks that is supposed to be hard to find, but you found it, right? It's, it's kind of that rush and that, that excitement that you get of like, wow, I really found something really, really like really, really cool and really, really neat. You going to send that issue off to be graded? I'm actually going to, so my brother is a, is a comic book collector and a, and a reseller. So I've got to make some time with him to see if it's worth doing that or if it's in, if it's in good enough condition where to get a high grade 
Otherwise, I'll probably just condition it. But yeah, I might actually send it up to CGC. Or even if it's a low grade, if it's something that's rare. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth that much to be able to do it because getting things graded is, I don't know, call it 50 bucks or so, 50, 60 dollars. The last time I checked, it was like 70 or 80. I've got some Marvel stuff. Yeah, that I've thought about doing it that way. All right. And then part two. And is there any particular coveted piece out there which you think that needs to go right here? Oh, like so in his collection? Yeah. No, um, in, in your co- yeah, in your collection. So I've got one right above my head and it, his head is cut off. So this is the gentle giant uh, Darth Vader kneeling. So this is when he talks with the emperor. Uh, I don't want to make shaky cam here, but basically he's kneeling and the bases light up and with a little button on the back. And so it was a gentle giant exclusive is really is more difficult to find now. Of course, difficult to find at a good price. Uh, but that's one of my favorite pieces because it's really just such an eye catcher and it's such an just a test, like a really important moment in the series, a very iconic moment in the series where he's talking with the emperor and the and the hologram. So it's just a lot of fun. But I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff around me though that's really cool. Some things that will blow up here pretty soon, hopefully. If like I've got Doctor Afra's first appearance on the wall right next to me, that's great. Oh yeah, in a nine point six. Yeah, and so nice. uh, things like that are pretty fun. Or um, like Kira and Phila from the Vader series. That's a pretty yep. sweet series. That one's yep. about to be explored in the High Republic as well. The Barash Val. So I think I got number one in the Darth Vader collection. I, when I was going to the comic book store, I would get number ones of some of the Star Wars lines, but mm-hmm. kind of resigned myself since I was getting so many Marvel and DC books that. Eh, I'll just hold off on collecting whole series of Star Wars stuff better for my pocketbook. And you can always read this stuff online. So it's a balance between junk and money and wanting to get the content. Well, it's dangerous, especially I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And so you can't see they're all off camera, but I've got Spider-Man stuff around me too. But those are, uh, that's a really slippery slope too, because you can be like, I'm not going to collect amazing Spider-Man. And then all of a sudden you've collected all the amazing Spider-Man. I know I've, I've stayed away from a lot of the Spider-Man series. Gwen Stacy or the Gwen stuff is pretty cool to collect just because it's new and there's limited amounts of it. Anyway, Liberty dude said, cool dude. Great discussion. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the question. That was awesome. Yeah. And talking about appreciation. Thank you very much Jonesy for this podcasting chat. I know you've got to get ready for a show on your own. So with that, what is the best place that our better podcasty audience can find you? So if you're listening to the podcast, we're available on all the major services, even Pandora and some of the others that are uh, maybe less used, but Cantina Cast, you'll find us out there. Beautiful green and blue, lo- or yeah, green, you know, orange and blue logo. There we go. Uh, but otherwise, you can find us on cantinacast.com. It's got links to all of our live streams, all of our previous videos, all of our podcasts, all of our new book content that we're doing more of with, uh, with Lauren we just brought on. And if you're watching this live stream and you want to go hop to another one at 9 p.m. Central, so in about 35 minutes or so, Albert and I will be live talking about The Bad Batch, which premieres in just a few hours. And we're going to do that over on YouTube on a live stream. So cantinacast.com slash YouTube will get you over there. And we'd love if you subscribed and hit a note and let us know you came from Better Podcasting. We'd love to be able to share that with SB. I'm looking forward to that. Man, we got to talk about The Bad Batch at some point in time. It's such a, it's a really good series that doesn't get enough love, I think. And Probably because it's more animated, but it is a really solid series, though. Oh, my gosh. The Clone Wars in totality, though, because Bad Batch yeah. is really off the Clone Wars. It's just such an and amazing Rebels, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Go over to Can- <laughs> Cantina Cast, and you can talk all about that over there. So thank you very much, Jonesy. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun.
And thank you for spending your time with Jonesy and me over the past hour and a half or so. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the Better Podcasting YouTube channel, like this video, and ring that bell or so the YouTubers tell me. Or if you are listening to the audio version, give Better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow or subscribe on your podcatcher app of choice. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, tomorrow night, talking about Stephen, Stephen and I will be recording episode 269 of the Better Podcasting main show. In the meantime, you can join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find both myself and Stephen there every day. See everybody next time. Bye.